0: Good morning again, this is Tom Clark with The Father's Heart, also Papa Tom from Papa Tom's Tales, The Grandfather's Bedtime Stories. I have with me today, January 7th. I have with me today Dave Henderson again, and uh, we're going to be speaking about spiritual wickedness in high places. Before we introduce that subject, I'd like to remind everyone that one of the things that these podcasts my podcasts are designed to do is to help people overcome a fear with the love of god all my books are the perfect love casts out fear and the spiritual truth of malachi 4 6 which at the end of the age i'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers and in that respect, Dave and I would want to talk about one specific fear that we see in high places that have a, has affected us as a nation, even given what we've seen the last couple of days. And that is the fear of loss of self. It's not the uh, fear of uh, um, our self itself. That's a, we've got to lose ourselves but the fear of loss of self and how the enemy um, uses that to separate us from God. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what is Satan's goal? What's his end game? His end game is to separate us from God the Father. And God's end game is to connect us to his heart and he connects us with his heart with love. With that in mind, I'd like to ask uh, David a question. How do you see um, this wickedness in high places playing itself out?
1: I think that the, the greatest way, and in my own experience that I've seen it, is to kind of dull our mind into not uh, seeing what God has created in us that he wants to uh, bring us an understanding of. I'll give you an example. Um, I spent... A good portion of my seventh and eighth grade years at a psychiatrist and a psychologist because they thought I was mentally retarded. And I didn't learn how to read until I was in fourth grade. And the way I learned to read is that there was a special program offered to people that didn't have uh, much money. You could go to it for free. It was actually taught by Vincent Price's son um, how to read. He was a guy doing volunteer work for kids that were in those conditions. And it wasn't until I came into Christ that God unleashed my capacity to learn. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because God taught me a lesson in all of that. And that is this, God does not want you to think that walking with God is going to take you away from being you. This is is one of the, the fallacies that we have in the religious world, which has been passed down to us is to equate holiness and perfection with the loss of ourselves. We, we see these great lives of the saints and people, and we don't look at them as normal people. We look at them as somehow specially done sinless. people. Sinless. Sinless, perfectly <laughs> sinless. And even the word perfectly sinless flaws. Without is, we, we We somehow don't understand that God favors our personality. He just wants to remove the things in our personality that are destroying us and others around us and and interfere with our relationship with Him. But He wants us to be one with Him as the people we are. He's not going to quit us from being ourselves. When, When He talks about us being perfect, He said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He means to be complete, to be made, to be what you are called to be. God has a purpose. God's doing his work by purpose. And we are called to do the same thing. If we had to wait to be used by God to, to be sinless, we wouldn't be able to
0: be used by God because we live in a flawed nature in life. It reminded me again of the uh, statement my father made me to me just before he passed from this earth. And he said, it's the per- God had spoken to him and told him it was the perfect ending to a perfect life. And when I shared that comment to my wife, she said he was delusional because, you know, because of the, his things he did, you know, in his life. And I said, no, I don't think he's delusional. I think God's really speaking to him. And then I looked up the word "perfect," and it meant complete. And God was telling him that the perfect ending to a perfect life was that his life was completed. It was. It was finished. It was done. And uh, that he had his back. So that concept of perfection. Is a, or being perfect is, biblically speaking is different than we've been taught by the traditions of man and therefore also the concept of holiness that we've been taught by the traditions of man is also false we're, if we're not perfect it doesn't mean that we're perfect it just means that we've been set apart and separated for the things that god wants to do there's an aspect of sanctification to it aspect of sang, uh, separation to it and we also wanted to discuss the the uh, contrast between holiness and mixture. Why don't you comment a little bit about mixture?
1: Yeah, one of the one of the uh, roots of the word for holiness in the scripture or being holy is often misunderstood because again we see it as meaning specifically to be totally without any flaws. And we're looking around and say there's nobody we know that looks like this. And if we're honest, we're looking at ourselves and we're saying and like Paul said the least of all himself and it was because he understood what he was. But the reality, the word holiness is hagios, which means literally uh, to be separated off specifically for a purpose and without the mixture, without a mixture of purposes, desires, without a mixture of why you're doing what you're doing. And this and this is one of the things that having been uh, working on the streets for many, many years, uh, I find sometimes I would find a person to take out with me where I was going, and I knew that that person didn't fit in anywhere else because they just had these personality traits, but they were perfect for the street. They were perfect for the ability to reach across the barrier. You can't make make up what will create a person to have a perfect nature for the job God has for them. He knows what it takes. And by that, I don't mean a perfectly sinless nature. We're not, we're not looking at individuals the same where there's uh St. Teresa of Avila, where she said, since she does these certain things, we don't even know if she did these certain things. We know what tales are told about individuals that have done great things in the past, but people have personalities and God wants you knowing your personality. He wants to use you as you are just like Peter. We see Peter as a kind of bumbling kind of guy, but very effective. We see Paul is a very strict, kind of hardcore guy in his in his studies, very effective. Two different personalities completely, both able to do the work God had for them very effectively. And, and it was because God made them to
0: be the finished work that he wanted them to do. Didn't mean they didn't have flaws. But the idea of a mixture where you take mm-hmm. element A and combine it with element B, you don't get AB. You actually no. get C. And in a the, in the case of wickedness, we're talking about a mixture that takes us away from the purity of who God made us to be. Yeah, if you
1: look at the, if you look at King David's life, King David, uh, it was said about King David that he was like being in the presence of an angel. But we know King David wasn't an angel. By no means was King David an angel. But God looked at King David by based on what King David wanted in his heart towards God. God knows our hearts. He knows we're going to stumble. He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to have to pick ourselves up over and over again, but that's not the issue with God. The issue is that if we fall, just like they used to say in football, if you fall, fall forward.
0: Don't fall backwards. Don't lose those those six feet falling backwards. Fall forward. Another expression they made in football, we don't care how many times you fall, just get up. Yeah, just get up. <laughs>
1: Let's get up again. There's nobody in this world that has not fallen and that has not stumbled. And oftentimes the greatest used of God oftentimes have great flaws in their, in their lives because of the injuries they've been through. And this is where Satan, here's where Satan wants to disqualify you. This is the battle right now that's going on in your soul. Satan wants you to be disqualified in your mind, to think that you can't be used of God because you see your problems. You see what's in you. You see you and you say, I don't like this. And then he's telling you, don't be confident in the gospel because you've got those problems. And the reality
0: is God's not even looking at that. You know, we use the word fall and we talked about before, Matthew twenty-one forty-four, 44, where um, it says that whoever falls on the stone will be broken down to its smallest piece. Exactly. But everyone who doesn't fall on the stone or rock shall be um, pulverized because it be yeah. broken into many pieces. Because you become an amorphous mass, you become indistinguishable. You don't have our identity. So why don't you quote that scripture and let's see? Yeah, can Matthew. That.
1: Yeah, in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse thirteen, uh, Jesus said, "Whoever falls upon this stone shall be broken." And it, and it lit or twenty. I'm sorry, uh, Matthew twenty-one forty-four. It's literally means to be broken down to the smallest part of yourself. That's you. And then it says, but whosoever the rock shall fall upon shall be ground to powder. And that means to be ground to a non-identifiable mass or as we call it in today's uh, vernacular, an amorphous mass. So God wants us to be ourselves. This is, the, this is the lesson. God wants us to be ourselves. And And he said out of every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, he took people and he didn't take those people and say, you're no longer a person. You, but we in our minds think that somehow we have to no longer be people. Mm-hmm. We have to somehow be an otherworldly being. A saint. A saint. We, in know. our mind, even the word saint, which is based on the concept of the word holy, we think somehow means we have this inability to be a normal human being. And Jesus was as normal as normal. normal so sinless. Yeah, perfectly sinless. Jesus walked among men and people related to him. They didn't look at him and say, oh, there's that religious hojo. I can't have anything to do with him. I can't be new. In fact, people reached to touch just the hem of his garment, hoping that the virtue they saw in him would transfer to them in their life, as we see in the scripture. And this is because he
0: walked as a normal person. God respects our personhood. Yes. Our identity. He also wants us to identify with our family. He also wants to identify with our community and our town and our our nation. That's how people groups are formed. And it's interesting if you translate it into the world today, right? We have um, globalists and leftists that want to just uh, mitigate any kind of separate uh, identity, distinction, mm-hmm. distinction among people um, mm-hmm. and uh, just talk about one of the things that was very popular in the United States and still is the concept of make America great again. It was something that Donald Trump stood up and he understood that we should be proud to be Americans. And he just said, also, Polish people should be proud to be Polish and whatever nation you come from, that national identity is something that's God given and should be embraced, not eradicated, by some kind of totalitarian state that makes everybody amorphous. That's why I love that picture of uh, Donald Trump standing there and saying, it's not, uh, pointing his finger at the camera and saying, it's not me thereafter, it's you. I'm just standing in the way. And you have a person who understands, apparently understands his identity and what he's standing for. And he's standing for the country, standing for our freedom, and be willing to take a stand for that. We just recently, yesterday, have an example of the vice president, Mike Pence, uh, who the Lord had me pray for, and in my prayer for him, I saw him as Michael, Michael Pence. Michael, the name Michael means one who stands in the place of God. So it's important to take a stand for what you know was right, and not to kick the can down the road, as you say, or punt. And uh, our own uh, expression if, if Mike Pen- Michael Pence was comfortable in his own identity, he could take a stand in a way that was unpopular. that's that's one of the one of the great um, things
1: that we see today that God wants us as believers and as people of God to be investing in the future what's coming, And the continuity of what God wants to bring about is that free will exercise in every single person, not only as an individual, which God gave to Adam himself, but to every family and every nation. Mm -hmm. And Satan, in bringing about this one world globalist government that he's trying to bring about, is trying to erase the free will on those three levels, on the family, on the individual, and on the nation. He wants to, and that's what we call in governmental terminology, fascism, mm-hmm. where a state has complete control of everything. So God's trying to bring freedom. That's why our founders uh, inscribed on the Liberty Bell, the, the scripture uh, that says, proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all the inhabitants because wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, not just liberty in the sense to only be doing what's right, but God gives you a free will. And then this is where God took the chance in making man. He took this great chance in his own faith in making man that given a free will, man will still choose what's better by following
0: by following after him. Wasn't it Thomas Paine that said give me liberty or give me death? Was yes, him that said that? Yeah, it was a, it was Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry at the House of Burgesses. That's right. Patrick Henry said, "Give me liberty or give me death." What? What Thomas Paine said, I may not agree with what you say, but Mm -hmm. I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. And And these these are people who stood up for identity. This is this is and freedom.
1: This is the great battle that we're facing today. Right. Right. As we sit in this uh, podcast, the great battle that we're facing today is doing things God's way or becoming completely this amorphous mass that Satan wants to make this world into. If we do things God's way, we will individually have a distinction as individuals. Our families will be individual families and our nations will be individual nations because God set the boundaries of nations all the way back in Genesis before there was ever a nation created. He set the boundaries of nations, the scripture tells us. And it also says he set people in families. You're not in the family you were set in by accident. And God put the nature of the giftings that he put inside of you by his hand so that you can discover those giftings. He's not trying to erase you so that when you look at yourself, you see this cultic kind of being that you see in these cults where they teach you to erase yourself, get not be yourself, this Buddhistic kind of thing. Jesus wants you to know your own personal experience. And that's one of the things that a father does in, in our discussion about fathers in the home. A father steps in, into his home, and that's why God built the church on the home, is that the father uh, orchestrates the direction of the home where he takes the hits in order to provide an environment where every individual at home can learn and can grow. And uh, one scripture I thought thought that was a great scripture is in uh, Zechariah 13, verse seven. And it says this, and this describes for me the best picture of what a father does, alias what a pastor should be doing, alias what a government leader should be doing uh, it says, smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hands onto the little ones It's the shepherds or the leaders take the hit. that take the hit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is one of the one of the great things that i that I found about what's happened here with uh Uh, The president that we presently have, President Trump, is the very first day in his inauguration, he said this, I'm going to return back to the people, the government of the people, by the people and for the people. And what's happened
0: in this whole four years has been a war against that to not have that happen. In this war that we see wickedness in in high places, we see that evil Moves through power structures, and the tools that they o- often use, most often use in this power, are tools to threaten, blackmail, and bribe. Mm-hmm. Threaten, blackmail, and bribe are the three tools. Come right out of the out of the box, so that the people in leadership, uh, John Roberts, Supreme Court Justice, right? They got something over them. I remember they had former CIA director in the Obama administration, Petraeus. Something over him. Michael Flynn, they're trying to get something off of him. Everybody from uh, Mitch McConnell. I mean, you can go right down the whole list. If you, whether in the Supreme Court, whether in the Senate, whether in the Congress, uh, congressmen, they're looking for people that they can manipulate through uh, threats, blackmail, and bribes. Mm-hmm. And when they use that, they turn the people back to uh, capitulating to tyranny.
1: Exactly. I don't know if you remember some years ago when uh, Larry Flint, who ran the Hustler magazine, said that he had dirt on a bunch of congressmen and senators, and he was going to bust them out if they didn't do what he wanted them to do while Clinton was in office, right? Um, A number of these congressmen did have dirt on them. And several of them came out to the public and said, look, I've done these wrong things in my life. And so I repent of these things. And they unhinged themselves from the ability to be bribed because they admitted wrong. They they just came clean with what was going on in their life. One of the ways Satan does this, he either intimidates you by what's going on in your life or he intimidates you. Like, for instance, he did with this General Flynn and say, if you don't go along with me, then we're going to go after your son. Right. And and so This man stood in to try to be a protection to his son by taking the hit that would put him in jail. Thankfully, God got him out of that. But we can have this kind of government or we can have the kind of government that's offered us by God. We can have the intrigue and the uh, darkness that we read about in the Roman Empire, that we read about in the Grecian Empire, the, the various different empires, the Pharaoh's world. Or, or with Russia or China. Yeah, <laughs> and which is going on presently in Russia and China when you see the movement of the individual. Or we can have a government built by the people, of the people, and for the people. But we can't have
0: both. Right. If you consider the whole Jeffrey Epstein affair, right? I don't, personally don't think the guy was a billionaire. I don't even know what the history is, how he had to create money. I think it's, he's a created character. Yeah. Uh, a fictitional character, in a sense in the sense that he was he was a setup guy for the CIA or or dark interests in uh, the people that move around in wickedness in high places or using a guy like Jeffrey Epstein to get people so that they could intimidate them, blackmail, and bribe them because they got the pictures. They put mm-hmm. them on the you know the Leader Express, the, the airplane, takes them down to the, the island, went out to New Mexico, wherever it is, and why do they have... Uh, cameras everywhere, not only in the ho- doors and the hallways, but in the bedrooms. There was not a room in any of these places that didn't have cameras. Even the showers and the bathrooms had, had uh, cameras because they're taking pictures. Who's the taking pictures for and why? It's, it, it's because evil wanted to use that to blackmail these people. And, and who did they invite to them? They didn't invite Joe Schmo. They invited uh, royalty from England right? The uh, the Arabs from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, anybody in Europe who had power, anybody in the United States. John Roberts was supposed to be on it like, you know, six or seven times. Bill Clinton was on, I don't know how many times, like 30 or 40 times. and Hillary, the whole line. A- a- anybody who was anything, they wanted to have something on. And it's, you think know, of the spirit behind that. The spirit behind it was to blackmail people, as we, we've seen. And they've been very effective at at blackmailing people and what happens to jeffrey epstein did he commit suicide or did they get him i personally think they could they they took him out they use that example and that they even creates more intimidation but it comes down to people just taking a stand who's going to take a stand against this evil Uh, i want to just share with you a, a a personal story that i'm dealing with right now in my life uh, with uh, two brothers. I won't give you the names, it's not important. It's just uh, the story, I think, is important. Uh, the story is about two brothers uh, who grew up and they're now in the middle 60s. Uh, one's a believer, very strong believer, uh, both of them are very smart men. The uh, the one who's a believer is uh, very well versed in the scriptures, you know, very theological, sound, uh, almost like an apolo- apologist, you can call him. The other brother who had the same background training uh, in the scriptures totally left the Lord 30, 40 years ago and has not been a believer all his life. Well, the one who was a believer got COVID-19 and uh, he's currently suffering. He's in an ICU unit and the people in his local church are praying for him. And they're telling the brother who's the non-believer he's an atheist. The atheist brother um. Who knows all the scriptures, by the way, but just doesn't believe uh, that they're praying for his brother. And the brother who's an atheist made a statement and says, have you also thanked the Lord for letting him contract the disease? Now, when those words were spoken, that's an accurately verbatim telling you what the words were. uh, I saw in those words a man who does not know the love of the father. Whatever he understands in his mind, in his heart, he doesn't know the love of the father. This is a man who spoke these words, is, is a person who is hurt, he's angry at God, and he even is exhibiting a root of bitterness that's been planted No wonder why he's an atheist, because anybody who believes that God is like that, how would you open up your heart to them? So um, we've been praying for um, both these brothers, and what I believe is um, God's plan is Two for two salvations, two healings. One is a healing of the brother who is a believer, because to him uh, that which he feared the most came upon him. This was a man back uh, early in 2020 who uh, came to our local community church. He was an elder in a in a house church, and he brought a big box of uh, gloves, rubber gloves, and uh, face masks. Um, and told us the pandemic was going to happen. It was going to be worldwide. It was going to be much bigger than anybody thought. And he meticulously wore the gloves. He would meticulously wash his hands. Meticulously social distance. Particularly wore that. He did everything right. And that which he feared the most came upon him. And he's in a position right now where it's really, he's getting very, very tired. He's in an ICU. He's been on the ventilator on and off. And uh, his blood oxygen counts going to like 70%, which you can't live at. And uh, he doesn't have a solution in the natural. And the doctors have no solution in the natural. In fact, he won't take anything outside the recommendations of the doctors. Uh, hydroxychloride is something he didn't consider and other therapeutics he doesn't consider. It's only what the doctors want him, which are not protocols that'll help him anyway. So in the natural sense, he's beyond help. So it's only got to really come down to one place. Does he want to live or not? And if he wants to live, he makes that choice to live. Then those who are believers uh, can pray and use the kings of the kingdom, which God has given us. The Lord has given us the keys of the kingdom to bind on earth. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We can pray that prayer because we are waiting at the doorstep of the fourth great wave the fourth great wave of revival, last day's revival, as prophesied by Smith Wigglesworth in 1939 to Lester Sumrall.
1: You know, this is that's really a good point that you brought up, Tom, because one of the things that Satan wants to do is entrap us in bitterness and in not having access to the resources that we have. And you see that in Lot's life. When he comes out of Sodom, even though rescued by the angels of God, uh, his wife turns. She looks back at Sodom. She turns to a pillar of salt. He goes, gets to a cave with his two daughters and gets drunk. And in, in, in that trap, he ended up having incestuous relationship with his daughters and producing uh, the, the Obed-Edomites. And this this is a picture of what happens, what Satan's goal for us, even though we're going through this tremendous rescue, is to drag us back to this same Way of dealing with the issues that we come up with in our lives, instead of uh, going the route God has for us, which is we get rescued from whatever's going on, we get free. Uh, he wants us to sit in our bitterness and sit in our anger over circumstances. And I'm sure that that uh, Lot saw the loss of everything he had because he went to Sodom as a very wealthy man. He sat in the gates of Sodom so as a person who had great means and resource. And here he loses his wife. His daughters lose their husbands. So he's losing all the grandchildren, just his daughters and him. And he turns to alcohol because alcohol is going to soothe him in a way that it always does. Medicated himself. self 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 medicate is what they used to call, right? Uh, So one of the things we have to understand is God has a a better way. He doesn't want us trapped in these aspects of He wants us free. Freedom is exactly where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. There's exactly what God wants. He has given us free will. He wants us to be able to enjoy the benefits of that free will, to freely choose, to walk with him and experience the joy that he takes in us. Scripture says that he will rejoice over us with joy. And that word rejoice literally means to dance in a circle over us. So that's where we
0: are at today. You know, Jesus dancing over us. Well, we thank you very much for spending the time with uh, Dave and I today. And we hope you enjoyed our podcast. We believe we discuss things which are all true mm-hmm. and that you can take away from you certain truths that you can apply to your life that we hope and pray that will edify you. So don't forget to go to Christian Podcast Network, at www.cpnshows.com and Papatownstales.com www.papatomstales.com, which also has blogs in addition to these podcasts. So uh, we really uh, thank you for listening, and we are looking forward to talking to you soon. Mm -hmm.